When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Hey, welcome to Kyle Meredith with... An ongoing interview series presented by 919 WFPK Independent Louisville and Consequence of Sound. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today I'm going to be talking with Lauren Mayberry from the band Churches. The Scottish band has been getting bigger and bigger with every single record, and the new one, Love is Dead, it could easily be their biggest one yet. It's louder, it's poppier, and it's more important with what she's talking about in the lyrics. In fact, we get to talk about everything from the stories behind the songs uh, to her stance on gun control and politics in America. This is Lauren Mayberry of the band Churches. Hi, how's it going? I'm well, how are you? I'm good, thanks, man. I'm good. Thank you for making the time to have a quick chat on that. Oh, thank you for making the time to have the quick chat. It's uh, it's really an honor. I've been such a fan lately. So, oh, thanks, man. That's like you're the one. I knew there was. I'm like someone, not our mothers, is listening to this. And I'm like, oh, it's Kyle. Cool. It's me. Got it. <laughs> you know what? I call I call bullshit on that because I've seen the numbers online and everything, and it's uh, it's massive right now. So, our, our moms are really busy, like constantly repeating <laughs> it on multiple devices. Yeah. <laughs> There's that Scottish sense of humor that I love so much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> always we have to self-deprecate, otherwise we would self, we would like spontaneously combust. I don't know. Seriously though, congratulations uh, on on the record. Uh, Love is dead, and especially this first single, "Get Out," which has got to be one of the uh, coolest, catchiest songs I've heard this year. Well, thank you, thanks, man. Yeah, we were really, really pleased with the response to it, and just to start having songs out in the world feels really nice because we've been living with it for so long. And I feel like now there's two songs out there. It's easier for people to kind of get a sense of what the record's going to be like. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like Get Out feels like a church song to me, but it's definitely uh, more direct than a lot of the other stuff we've done. And I feel like having My Enemy going alongside that probably reassured a lot of people who have been a fan of the band for a longer period of time that we haven't completely sold the farm. Like, you know, we want to make pop music, but we want it to be, you know, emotional and thoughtful. And I feel like those things can exist in the same universe. It doesn't have to be completely one way or the other. 
And I mean, it is pretty impossible talking about this record and not bringing up that P word, pop music. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you, you all have always, you know, had a pretty strong aspect of pop, but this is definitely something bigger. It's something shinier in a sense. But there, I also get a sense that you've taken control of pop in in a way like we use that word broadly and, and sometimes generic to mean certain things. And this still isn't exactly that, right? Yeah, I think for us it was always important that it feels like our band and it has a little bit of a twist on it. And we did nine other fucking songs with Greg Kirsten and one track with Steve Mack, which people haven't heard yet. But I feel like those guys live in that pop world, but Greg especially, he's worked on so many different kinds of records. He's not trying to make you write a standard pop song for the radio. And I feel like that's what we figured out quite early on when we were having little speed dates around Los Angeles. Like, there's some people who are amazingly talented, but the way they work just doesn't work for us because there's kind of a culture of writing a blueprint song that could kind of work for anybody and that will go on the radio but when we were in those sessions I was like yeah we've written something it's okay but it doesn't feel like us it feels like this approach applies to another band and I think we always want it to feel I don't know to feel like it has the uh, the personality and the sensibility that's been on the previous records and you know I don't I don't know I don't think that pop music automatically has to be unimaginative or has to be about certain things and I think that was a refreshing thing for us to experience when we met Greg like we just went in and the first thing we wrote on the he wrote on the first day he played on the synth that opening riff to get out and we're like oh I think this guy this might work with this guy so yeah it was really really fruitful experience that guy's been knocking it out of the park so many times lately it's just so impressive so amazing yeah. well and I feel like the thing that we love about it is that at the end of the day he's just an insane musician and such a such an intellectual about that kind of music and he's made huge pop records but the fact that he can make a Sia record and a Dell record but also a Food Fighters record is one that like speaks to the talent that he has and the imagination that he has. He doesn't just try and apply his way of doing things in exactly the same way to everyone. He kind of it seems like he kind of analyzes the person or the band and then slots in wherever he feels like he needs to. And it was really it was just like having a fourth member of the band for a few months. And like he's, has he been here forever? It feels like we've been having these conversations for years. But uh, yeah, he's just an incredible talent. I think. Now this guy might fall in in line with the speed dating part of it, but I think I read early on you all, you all were also worked with Dave Stewart, uh, formerly of the Eurythmics? We did, yeah. Like Dave is obviously an absolute legend, and we love the Eurythmics and all the stuff that he's written for people since then. And we were really sad that those songs didn't end up making the record, but we did that so early in the process. By the time we came to pull the album together, we were like, this is too disconnected. It doesn't feel like it fits with where we end up. But I feel like he's like such a such an example of the classic way of producing. It's like he kind of looks inside people's minds and figures out how they tick and then pokes, pokes at the certain things that can make you kind of uncomfortable, but then it's pushing you to do different things. And I feel like it was really, really interesting to talk to him about the idea of artistry in what is kind of pop music. Like they sold so many records. It's insane how much they, they were so popular, but they were always so creative and so artistic and they weren't changing the way they wanted to do things to fit with the current idea of what's popular. And like he definitely made us think a lot more about how we approach things around about the songs. He was saying it for them. He was like, your mix never looked at us as annoying crash shot they had to do or a stupid video they had to make. He was like, this is your opportunity to tell the story a little bit further. So how do you want to do that? And I think sometimes we used to look at where the band lived as a bit of a anomaly sort of we're not 
to we're not so far on the side of pop, but we're not so far on the side of alternative. So we kind of sometimes fall between the two categories. And he was like, he was so encouraging. I was like, guys, this is actually a really amazing thing that not a lot of people have, and you should use this to do stuff that's more interesting and more creative than some of your pop contemporaries can. But do things on a more mainstream scale than more alternative contemporaries can. And, I guess it's like, that's a very positive, it was a very enthusiastic way of looking at the world. And it was really inspiring. And to be able to, I mean, to work with your heroes or something like that, because, I mean, Eurythmics is obviously one of the greatest bands of all time. But to still, you know, yeah. to be in that position where you're creating with someone who's, I don't know if they, I'm, I'm assuming from what it sounds like, they've had the same effect on you that they had on me. But to be able to have that opportunity, you know, <laughs> at some point you've got to let your guard down. I don't know how quick that happens for you. Maybe a little bit quicker these days than it would have in the past. Well, I think when we went into that session, especially, we were definitely nervous on the way to it. We we're like, why are we even going into this room? What's this? this seems like a terrible idea. Like, why? We're not going to be able to do anything. But then, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, we wouldn't have said yes if we didn't think that he saw something in the band that he liked. And I don't know, I guess I'm like, maybe these, I feel like these are the things we'll remember in like 20 years from now that we got to do something like that. No matter what else happens, like, you've got to have those experiences. And like, they were so inspiring on a musical level, but everything else around them was so inspiring too. Like, I rewatched some clips from the Grammys where Annie did the Drag King outfit and like thinking about when that happened and what she was saying at that time, like there's pop stars now who wouldn't even bother to be as brave as that, however many years after the fact. And they were just, just it's just so inspiring to see. So I was really, really, really pleased that we got to even get in a room with Dave, let alone soak up his wisdom. So. Yeah. Well, another one of those giants that uh, I think you've been affiliated with, and I just had on my show a few days ago, was Shirley Manson. Oh, what a legend. <laughs> what a legend. I mean, and not only, you know, do you, do you get to share the home country with her and all that, but, you know, she's been so instrumental in, in, in talking about a lot of things that's really in line with the things that you've also been talking uh, about out there that, of course, I've been really interested in. You know, because um, I think it's always important, you know, and, and I'm obviously talking about the broader things that's happening in America here, but it's always so important to get what it looks like from the outside, you know, to people who really care. And that seems like something that you really made a stake in um, because, I mean, being, you know, from Scotland and everything, you could sort of just not pay attention if you wanted to or not care because, you you know, it's it's happening somewhere else. But that's not the line you've taken, though, right? Well, I guess. We were lucky enough to have toured so much in the U.S. I think we've toured here more than anything anywhere else. And I've been living here since the end of 2015. And I understand the impulse some people have to be like, shut up, you're not even from here. What do you even know about it? But if you live in a place and you experience these things, you know, it's important to be informed. But I don't really understand that argument of just because you're technically not born in a place, you can't understand the social tensions and the political things that are happening. And, I don't know. It just seems irresponsible at this particular point in where we are in politics here, but in politics generally around the world. I feel like we'll look back on this, and if people who had the chance to do something useful or use that platform to give voice to other people, if people don't do that, I think we'll look back on that, and history will not not smile fondly upon those people, I don't think. One of the big issues I thought I'd bring up because it's been such, you know, so relevant right now is, of course, gun control, uh, what's been happening over here. I know that's affected you in quite a way. And you've kind of been talking about that there is a way forward, right? I think so. Well, I've been trying to follow the news here as much as possible. And I guess it is different in the UK because we don't have the idea of the Second Amendment right isn't a thing in the UK. And um, I don't know, I guess it's similar in a lot of countries. The idea of guns as a right doesn't exist. It's more of guns as a privilege. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to like, 
there's a, there are gun owners talking about how it is important to have sensible measures on these things because that seems like the right thing to do to protect society. And if people who are personally affected by that can see that, it's strange to me that other people can't. And when you look at the statistics of politicians who take money from the NRA, it makes complete sense as to why people like Marco Rubio can be so personally affected. It's happening in his state, but he's still not able to make that extra jump. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the reason is political funding. And that's really scary and really sad, I think. Well, I can tell you from this American, and I can only speak for me personally, I'm really happy that you are speaking out about the things you're just talking about, because like I said, I think it's so important to hear from someone who isn't so much in the weeds as I feel like a lot of us can be uh, all the time. So, you know, thank you for using your platform. Well, thank you. Sometimes I go outside and I'm like, oh my God, people have punches. It's terrifying. And then I want to run back inside. So (laughs) I don't know. Well, though, you know, I'll bring this back around to music, though, you know, to make a song that tackles these issues. And and I know sort of, you know, if it's not something specific, these bigger issues do thread themselves throughout the album. Like, how do you filter that to give the song still a chance of being a great song 10 years from now? You know, and I'll use something like Neil Young, who I'm a big fan of, but he definitely writes songs that's not going to make sense and, and has written songs, you know, that's so specifically for that moment. That you know, other than melody, like how do you do that? Filter that through with still making a great pop song. Well, I guess for us when we're writing, we always kind of talk about it as being like a snapshot of where you were at that time. And I feel like there's songs on the first record that maybe we don't feel as connected to because we did it the same. But it's like a little Polaroid of what happened to you in that moment. And I feel like that's kind of where I was at with the lyrical writing on this. It was just more about kind of sitting with the personal and political things that are happening just now and figuring out what do you actually do about that? How do you sit with, do you just sit with that kind of sadness and frustration or can you move on in some way and how do we do that? And so that's what we're thinking thematically. And then in terms of the actual writing, we normally sit down and do an instrumental of the song and we'll get a kind of nonsense vocal melody over the top. And this time we were really conscious of wanting to, on the first day, get at least a rough phrase or a couple of words in the chorus so we kind of know thematically where we were going to be. And I think something like that kind of helps make sure that the, the lyrical hooks and the melodic hooks are more connected. Um, and hopefully that's how we manage to write about things that could end up being quite heavy and quite depressing but still make it sound, that it still feels pop and hopeful and I think that's always important to us, the kind of balance between the dark and the light. Well, uh, two things I'll bring up that really does fall in line with that is one, that title, Love is Dead, looks you know on paper like a big downer. But I guess I read, I feel like there is hope in a broad issue statement like that. You know, like Love is Dead is, is sort of a, a push for a change is the way I've interpreted it. Yeah, I think that's what we wanted. Like, I guess at the end of the day, we like when we saw the phrase written down, we we're like, well, it's bold and it's challenging in one way or another. People will either vehemently agree with that or vehemently disagree. And I feel like at least if you're pushing people to think something and feel something or question something, then that's kind of what we want to be doing with what we're making. And same with the album cover. Like I saw before I was like, don't look at the internet. I saw people being like, why? Why? Ew, this is horrible. Why have we done this? But I think from our point of view, it was supposed to kind of take the take the paradigm of the girl on the cover and put it on its head because we're like, fine, we finally put a girl on, the girl on the cover, but it's got this kind of garish neon all over the top of it and the eyes are scratched out and we're kind of trying to think about that old school kind of punk iconography and I guess the point was that if you see that as a little thumbnail or you see that on a poster or you see that on a vinyl, 
even if you think it's disgusting, you're going to stop for a second and be like, ooh, what is that? And I don't know. I think that's kind of where we were at with that and the title as well, like opening a conversation. Well, the, and, and I'll point at the other t- side of that, what I was talking about with that balance is <laughs> having a duet with Matt Berninger, who is like the great balance of uh, in himself, you know, a dark, brooding voice and one of the greatest senses of humor that I think I've, uh, I've, I've ever come across. Yeah, I guess, like, we'd known that in passing through festivals and stuff, and then we worked on, he kind of spearheaded the Seven Inches for a Planned Parenthood project that we were part of last year, and I guess getting to know Matt through that was so interesting, because we loved his music for so long, all those guys are so talented, and his lyrics are so amazing, and he's such a storyteller in the way that he sings, but it's funny when you meet him in real life, I'm like, oh, you just a little rascal, he's such a scamp, <laughs> and I was like, it's one of things that's position, but. I don't know. I just suppose it shows that people are never one thing or the other. No, they're always not. surprises. And he he's got a comedy coming out. I mean, he's got a TV comedy coming out. I cannot wait to see that. Well, and even the the documentary that they did, um, mm-hmm. the like the it was so like emotional and touching, but still there was so much tongue in cheek, dark humor in it. And I, yeah, I feel like he's such, they're such inspiring people. They're so creative in so many different ways, and it's just really really nice to be able to meet people and learn things from them. I guess. Yeah, it's worth asking then is if there's anybody else that's uh, that you're going to be working with. I don't know if you're allowed to say that answer, but uh... um, I feel like Matt's the big surprise. That's <laughs> that's the end. Imagine, imagine like if we had so many things on there that Matt was like the appetizer. That would be crazy. <laughs> but uh, no, I feel like we were just so excited that he even replied to the email when we were like, "Do you want to listen to this song?" And yeah, I guess I've loved that band for so long, and just never ever thought that lyrics that we wrote would come out of Matt Smith. So. Uh, yeah, we were just really excited and happy that the song's in the world now. People can hear it and, you know, do with it what they want to do. I love the song. I love every song I've heard on this record so far. Uh, thank you, Lauren, so much for taking the time to talk today and uh, and for all of this fantastic music. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, we're excited for you guys to hear the record. Thank you for supporting it. Anytime, all the time. Um, we'll see you out there on the road. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening, and thanks to Lauren Mayberry of the band Churches for uh, calling in. Don't forget to subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel for more interviews with your favorite artists, and head over to WFPK.org for some great radio station stuff. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.